It is such an honor to bring you God's message from Genesis chapter 1 this morning. And before we do that, let us pray. Father, thank you for the bread of life, the meal that you have prepared for us. I pray that as we partake of it, that you will be glorified and that we may be edified. In Jesus' name, amen. Friends, I believe many of you or all of us won't uh, disagree with me when I say humanity is a diverse set of cultures and ethnicities. Because as a people, we differ from each other in a multitude of ways. We support different teams. We prefer different kinds of foods. We differ. Yet at the intersection of these differences, It's as though the Lord wants to come and plant the cross as a way of inviting you and I to embrace and celebrate these differences by saying yes to diversity, which is the title of today's message, Yes to Diversity. What is diversity all about, you may ask? Whose idea is it anyway? Great question. Let's go to Genesis 1, verse 26. Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness. Friends, as different as we are, you and I come from God. Our God is a God of diversity, whose diversity is not only displayed in the creation of humanity, as we've just read. Let's continue reading Genesis 1, verse 7, verse 26b. So that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. We see the creation of nature also beautifully reflects his diversity. In a sense that God does not give us one kind of bird, fish, or animal, but he gives us different kind of species for us to enjoy. But he also displays his diversity in how he communicates with us. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors or fathers, through the prophets at many times and in various ways. You see, God is a God who wants to speak to you and I, not only through a preacher, though that is wonderful that God can set up a preacher for you on a Sunday to speak straight into your heart, you know, what God has in his heart. But when you are in your front line, in the boardroom, in the heat of the moment, where there is no preacher, God also wants to minister to you. He may do so through the word of knowledge, through the spontaneous thoughts, through a vision or a vision or through the nature. Um, But he can. He, He is God who has various ways of speaking to us. I never forget this years ago. I was in Russia and then in a place where we were gathered with Ukrainian and Russian believers, and I'm sure there were one or two 
uh, people from other cultures as well. But as we were worshiping, this lady touches me um, on the shoulder and says, do you speak Hebrew? I didn't realize you do. I says, no, I don't. Well, you just spoken in Hebrew now. What did I say? I asked him. And then she says in response, you said something like this. I am merciful and I will protect you. And then she was, there was this uh, sparkle in her eye and then testifying that this is the message or something he needed to hear from the Lord and it settled her. And I was amazed at how God just through worship could minister to her. Because God's diversity also calls for flexibility in terms of uh, listening for his voice wherever we are. Genesis 1 goes on to say in verse 27, So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. You see, friends, being made in the image of God, you and I are unique. Are you not glad that in the entire world, there is not a single person precisely like you? In fact, part of that uniqueness includes the gift of free will, the ability to choose, as we see in John 1 verse 11 where God is giving his gift of salvation to humanity. But we read, many chose to reject him, while to those who chose to receive him, he adopted and gave them the right to become his children. So friends, our God is a God of diversity. As we see in his creation of nature, humanity, and his communication with us. But how on earth can we embrace this diversity? What hope do we have to be united in our diversity? Oh, how I like Paul. Uh, he's such a good example for me in this regard. Before his dramatic encounter with God um, on that road to Damascus, he is a man you and I would avoid at all cost to have a coffee with. Breathing murderous threats, he is out persecuting, mistreating, and abusing those who rather did not see life the way he did. Though he thought he was doing the will of God, we know that Paul was misguided. But something happens after, his, after his, he, he encounters God, after his encounter with God, he becomes this different, transformed man. A man who now realizes that though, though God hates sin, he loves the sinner. And flowing from his encounter with God, you know what Paul does? He repented and then he had a change of minds. He entered into a new relationship with God and became a member of God's diverse community. How amazing. But there is more. 
he received a new mission to now deliver the good news uh, both to his race and to those outside of his race and culture. And right there, my friends, you and I see the expression of God's heart for unity in diversity. But you may go, wait a minute. God and unity in diversity in one sentence? Didn't God, after all, divide the people building the Tower of Babel in Genesis 11? Well, yes, he did. But what was their motivation of, of building the city, of building the Tower of Babel? Well, we read in Scripture, of course, that they wanted to make a name for themselves, not wanting to be scattered over the face of the whole earth. That is verse 3 of Genesis 11, yeah, Genesis 11, verse 3. Their motive was, therefore, self-centered. They wanted to be inward-looking, taking care of themselves instead of going the direction that God wanted the gospel to go outwardly from generation to generation. So they were self-centered, not God-centered. Therefore, God confused them because this was clearly against his plan and will for the gospel of the kingdom to go outward to every nation, to every man and woman out there. So we are called to embrace kingdom diversity. Kingdom diversity is all about God at the center, while secular diversity is about self at the center. But uh, let's continue with Paul. And I want to say this, that like Paul, until we encounter God and repent of our sins, we miss the opportunity of having a dynamic relationship with God in which we can experience his love as we interact with those around us. Oh, the love of God is so powerful. In fact, I want to say, and I want to put it this way, the love of God is a powerful glue that brings unity to human diversity. Galatians 3 verse 26 to 28. So, in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. You see, the power of this love this powerful love of God is highlighted in this scripture verse as follows. First of all, God's love is able to unite us regardless of racial differences. You see, friends, before God, we are all equal. Whatever color you are, red, pink, brown, blue, we are all equal before God. There is no race that is bigger than the other. And therefore, God calls us to celebrate. In fact, God himself celebrates our color. He's not blind to it. 
He celebrates our color and he says, this is beautiful. Here's the question for you. If God celebrates your, my color and your color, the question is, do you celebrate it? Or are you merely blind to it by choice? Well, we are called to open our eyes and, and, and join God and say, yes, God, this is your human diversity. This is what you have created. This is beautiful. And celebrate it and not use it as an instrument to marginalize others. Paul now, he could minister to both Jews and the Gentiles simply because of that revelation. Secondly, the very same love of God is able to unite us regardless of gender differences. Paul says, there is neither female nor male, for we are all one in Christ. It is important to remember that in a culture where, 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 where Paul is ministering women, were not seen as important. They had no women's, right, women's rights as we hear today in, in our Western world. Um, there's not such a thing as rights. They just treated or seen as uh, not important. But Paul, as we see him here after he encounters this love of God, we see him going out, carrying out the mission of God with the help of both men and women. Isn't it powerful that God wants us, men and women, not to compete with each other, but to complement each other as we advance the kingdom of God? Paul goes to an extent that whenever he's writing a letter, or rather in one of his letters that he writes, he would give acknowledgments to women by name, not just saying women, but mentioning them by name for their unique contribution in the kingdom of God. And in particular, in, when he writes to the Galatians, he reduces the volume on circumcision, something uh, the Judaizers in this context had actually made it to be um, a, a kind of like a way to be a believer that is acceptable to God. In other words, if you are not a, 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 a Jew first, you would not be seen as a good Christian uh, in a good standing uh, with the Lord. So Paul mutes the volume on circumcision, and then he uses the word baptism. You see, circumcision was only performed uh, on, may, on men, not on women. But uh, baptism um, uh, speaks of women and, and men together being included in the body of Christ. And Paul celebrates that even in how he does life. Amen. So number three, God's love is able to unite us regardless of the socioeconomic differences. My friends, whether you and I are rich or poor, there is only one way to receive or to connect with God. That way is a way of faith. In James 1, verse 5, James says, If anyone, rich or poor, lacks wisdom, he should ask, and God will give him without finding fault. 
This is the power of God's love. You know, at the foot of the cross, the ground is even. That's what the love of God has done for us, making a room and the space for everyone. This is the power of God's love, uniting us as believers um, in Christ Jesus in our diversity. So Paul's life, as I continue, reminds us of what really happens when we embrace diversity. And I would like to touch on that now, embracing diversity. You see, embracing diversity begins by recognizing that you have a unique identity. You have a unique identity. Before I am a Zulu man married to an, to an African's colored lady, according to South African classification, I am a child of God. Called to be the one who says yes to being a God pleaser while simultaneously say no to being a man pleaser. I remember one day standing at the queue uh, after the funeral. We were now queuing for food and then I had two plates and the lady looked at me who was uh, dishing out food and then he, he says to me, well, um, in this area, in this place, men don't stand in the queue. Uh, who does? Women does. And then take the food to their men. And I insisted to her, I said, no, well, this is for, it's for me and it's for my wife. I'm just uh, uh, doing this for my wife. And then she's seated there uh, with a child and then I'm saving my wife. I love her and I'm saving her. In that very moment, I had a choice to bow down to what my culture is saying or to what the kingdom culture is saying. And I chose kingdom culture, which is about complementing one another, serving one another in honoring the Lord. Amen. So that's the first thing. You have a unique identity. The kingdom culture, or rather your culture, bow down or ought to bow down to the kingdom culture. The second thing we recognize when we embrace diversity is that, number two, you belong to a unique community. You belong to a unique community, a community united by the cross to be people who say, to the power, who say yes to the power of love while concurrently saying no to the love of power. Friends, how many relationships, how many organizations are crumbling down today simply because of the love of power? When God calls us to embrace the power of love, we are a unique community. We belong to a unique community. Perhaps at this time, I can just highlight three things about the power of the cross as it unites us as a community, as a unique community. Number one, the cross draws you and I to commune with God. Mark 11, verse 17, Jesus says, My house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. Notice the word nations, not just one, but many nations. 
You see, prayer, which is communion with God, expresses his longing for a diverse house, to be a place where all can come in from diverse walks of life and backgrounds and encounter his life-transforming presence. Cross draws us to commune, to commune with God. Number two, the cross draws us to being a community of love. The cross draws us to being a community of love. In John 13, verse 34 to 35, Jesus goes on to say, A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Isn't it amazing to be distinguished by the love of God? Not the car we drive, not the status we have in society, not the color of our skin, not our preferences, but the love of God. Number three, the cross draws us to a lifestyle of missional significance. At this stage, I would like to uh, remind you or rather encourage you to, re to revisit on YouTube Pastor Louis' sermon on Yes to Significance. But enough for now for me to say this, a lifestyle of missional significance is having a habit of finding out what God is doing on your front line and delightfully report for duty to this community you and I belong. Last but not least, when we embrace or maybe I need to say one or two things about life, uh, a lifestyle of missional significance. It's really about finding what God is doing in your front line. Before you resign or before you stay when he says go, you find out what, what is it doing in your space and you willfully and delightfully join him there. Amen. I thought I should emphasize that. Uh, and then last but not least, when we embrace diversity, we recognize that, number three, you have a unique responsibility. You see, in the threefold task of the Great Commission that Jesus gives us in Matthew 28, verse 29, to paraphrase it, he says, go. He says, go, make disciples. So number one is uh, uh, disciple nations baptize them, and teach them. Yes, I agree with you. It is true. We might not all be called to be evangelists, but are we not called to be witnesses? According to Acts chapter 1, verse 8, you will be my witnesses when my spirit come upon you wherever you go, in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and unto the ends of the world. You know, I often hear this excuse that I can't talk, I'm introverted, um, I don't have a gift of an evangelist. And that's true. That's true. Not all of us are called to be evangelists, but um, equally so, all of us are called to be witnesses of the Lord. But what's the difference? 
witnessing is not a gift like um, being an evangelist. Witnessing is not a gift, but a responsibility for of every believer. It is our unique responsibility. So we are called as part of embracing diversity to commit to a lifestyle of missional significance and not to be like the builders of the Tower of Babel who did not want to be scattered right across the earth but wanted to keep the blessing of God within themselves. We are called to go, disciple nations, baptize them, and teach them. What did Jesus teach? Uh, uh, what did Jesus teach us as his disciples? He teaches us to love. He says, "By this you will be known that you are my disciples when you love one another." Isn't that straightforward? Wow, I love it. This is amazing. What happens to us when we embrace diversity? Now, as we wrap up, friends. I want to say this again as a reminder. God is a God of diversity, calling us to embrace our unique identity, community, and responsibility. Therefore, I want to put it this very clearly. To fully enjoy the beauty of diversity, we have to put our faith in God and continually receive of his love. Because without God, we have diversity in the world. But with God, we have unity of diversity. So, how do you display kingdom diversity in your front line? Where will you be this time tomorrow? And what's the display of kingdom diversity in your front line, uh, through your life? How are you doing in terms of loving others, particularly those outside your race and your culture? Friends, we began in Genesis where we see God of diversity creating mankind, men and women, in his own image for a relationship with him and his purposes. And as we come to a close, will land in, in the end um, of the Bible, the, in the book of Revelation, where we see uh, men and women from every nation, tribe, and language standing before the Lamb, worshiping him for the gift of salvation. Whoa, what a picture of diversity. How did they gain access to this presence of God? Is it because of their race, tribe, or language? Is it because of their gender? Is it because of whatever that you may think of? Paul will differ with us in Galatians 3 verse 26. It's only through faith. So, remembering that the love of God is a powerful clue that brings unity to, our, to human diversity. I pray that we will all this morning say yes to diversity by putting our faith in God and choosing to continually receive his empowering love so that we can continue 
to celebrate and embrace diversity on our front lines. The Lord bless you. Amen.